I V M. Music drives culture. This has been a fact across the world for decades. But in India, in many ways, while music was at the forefront of culture, it's always been an associate of sorts to cinema. But that's quickly changed over the last few years, where artists and musicians have gone from being support systems to grow culture with cinema. They're actually now driving it independently. They become creators in their own right and are fast changing not just how consumers but also brands really interact with them and work with them. To dig a little deeper into this, I have Aishman Sinha on the podcast today. He's the co-founder and director at Black Cab and he's been one of those people who's really worked with so many musicians to drive this change in our market. I'm Varun Dugirala and this is Advertising is Dead. Right back with Aishman. Welcome back to Advertising is Dead. We're talking to Aishman. Aishman, we've been talking about doing this for way too long to finally do this. I don't know if we've spoken a lot about it, but I listen to this podcast religiously and uh, I've been a fan and I've told you this, I think a few hundred times already. And uh, for me to be on this podcast is honestly like a really big deal, a really big honor. And when you told me, I just like, I, I think I took three seconds to say yes. So... <laughs> I've been super excited about this. This has honestly been one of my favorite podcasts and I say that all the time and I'm glad to be here. I'm just happy to have a happy listener coming in as a guest to give more value. I think that's a good, like, I think that's the cycle which I think all of us podcasters want. You want good listeners to come in and give more value so they can add more listeners into the mix. But, um, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to get you on the podcast as well, right, is that, that there's been a lot of action happening in this intersection between brands on one end, creators, music, and what was called celebrity, which is now, I think that world is merging. What is a creator? What is a celebrity? What is a musician is now, I think, all of the same. And you've kind of been at this intersection. So get a broad strokes view of how things have evolved in the last few years. How have you seen it both from what you guys have been doing, but also on the other end from, um, you know, how you are seeing everyone interact? Yeah, so I think this is something I keep telling uh, everyone when I speak to them is that like the value an artist or a creator can really add uh, to a brand's amplification is probably going to be slightly higher. And if if not higher in terms of reach, it's definitely going to have a lot more affinity mm. because an artist similar to a sports person uh, is very authentic. They're not playing an external character. They're not, uh, they're not trying to be someone else. They are themselves. That's why they have this very strong affinity with an audience that really, really likes them. They don't like a particular character that they might have played in a music video or they don't like a particular character that they might have played in a film, for example. Mm. Uh, they they love them for the kind of music they write. They love them for the kind of content they put out. They love them for everything they do on a general day-to-day basis. So the affinity towards an artist or a creator is a lot higher, in my opinion, because they're really engaged. They actually follow you. That niche is really... Uh, what everyone is trying to build on and that smaller cult becomes a stronger community over time. So we've realized that this is really important. We've realized that this can drive a lot uh, higher ROI for a brand in particular when they work with people that actually represent them slightly better. They work with people that already have this strong affinity base. And we've been trying to find solutions or rather to build opportunities for artists in this particular space for a long time. And as you've been looking at the solutions, I think... What's interesting is I think especially over the last few years because artists, the entire 
music space at some point had become this okay you're going to either make money through um uh, performances which i think a large amount of the money was kind of coming in pre pandemic um you were also doing stuff with brands in in what was traditionally more okay you're I hate to use the word talent, but I'm going to put that word out there. But without live being hap- uh, having have happened, um, with digital really driving things, how has how you even pack? I want to even say package. How do you put things together? Change, especially with musicians, because they've had to, had to kind of almost like rewire a few things about how they function, right? So honestly, and I keep talking to my artists about this. Initially, when COVID struck, we were all like really worried mm. that you know. Were, live events would contribute to almost 85 to 90% of revenue for an artist in particular mm. so the music would maybe contribute to 5% and 5% was brands so to live your life of just 10% of what would have been there would have been really yeah. difficult and everyone was initially in a state of panic but what we realized was the pandemic gave us like a really strong opportunity at the same time as well we saw that no films are going to come out for the next 6 months that meant that all your mainstream editorial slots that were available on a on a streaming platform on uh, youtube as well everything that was available for free there was editorial that could be curated uh, was now available for independent artists to come and take over so while major labels would not put out music till they had like a big package with the hotel they had a bigger rollout because they mm-hmm. obviously want to spend a lot of money to make sure this does right uh, for independent artists this is a much better opportunity to actually come front and center for anyone who wanted to discover new music so we put out a lot of music in the course of 2020 to 21 we put out i think 75 songs in total from our small roster of 10 artists everyone did exceedingly well everyone grew very well on socials and average growth on socials was about 3x and average growth on monthly listeners was about 2x and everyone got a lot of discoverability Uh, while this happened this obviously increased their revenue from music substantially higher mm. but they started building a much bigger community we then figure that this community is ready to be monetized when we feel that you know we've identified the right benchmarks to hit there with be it in terms of just reach be it in terms of the kind of engagement we're delivering etc and then we went out to brands and said that you know we've done xyz things why don't you give this a shot one of my favorite ones was we had this song called duria by an artist called zaden mm-hmm. uh, this was shot in the lockdown this was shot uh, in may of 2020 so this was right uh, when there was Bang no moment whatsoever yeah. and uh, i remember bumble had come out with a video calling feature within their platform and we told them that you know this is the best time for you to actually showcase to people uh, who are far from each other who want to be with each other are not able to talk and can use your platform to do that better we used that in our music video that did exceedingly well the video was trending it got great amount of views it did really well on streaming and it got more faith in even the brand to understand that okay fine i'm not going to do my mainstream uh, ad but i can park some amount of money behind something like this and see how that pans out so we kept on trying to just innovate and find better resources and uh, we use the pandemic to really scale our content versus anything else and that mm. did really well for us now that we're back on track uh, we now have a substantially higher commitment from brands when it comes to just the overall revenue pie for an artist and yeah. what we're really excited about building uh, going forward is a lot more commerce with these artists so we're trying to set up brands with these artists we're trying to set up more businesses with these artists so they can leverage Uh, their community better they can leverage their understanding of their community better to actually sell products to them which they own no while he was speaking i was thinking that if you look at even pre pandemic there was still there was a period i would say like even way back when independent music was a thing and then at some point i think just like film music came in and took a larger chunk of that even independent artists were largely singing for movies and 
do you think this is almost a point to hit that okay independent music is now pretty much driving things because I, i don't think even now with movies coming back the way they have that surge has gone away people are now latched on to independent music a lot more uh, the artists have a lot of recall plus on the other end brands know that this is another cultural layer i can tap into a lot more then they actually i think it was underutilized in many ways right have you have you seen that shift almost 100% so even if you look at like let's let's talk pure play data even if you look at charts right now if you open spotify there's an ap delon song called excuses that's number one right now yeah. if you open apple music the number one song right now is a song called pasuri which is actually from coop studio pakistan mm. uh both independent artists both not backed by any major label don't have any major investment in terms of visuals in either of these projects purely grown on listener affinity don't have the massive bandwidth of investing a few hundred thousand dollars into the marketing these have not been built in that way they've, they've already grown on their merit and they've done really well at the same time you've had like probably 10 massive films that have released just in the past 4 months yeah. and these are still steadily st- like holding that ground at the number one position so everyone is seeing it i mean it's there for everyone to notice uh, you will also see the the change in strategy of just music labels where they would earlier like go all out to acquire as much film music as possible but now they are rewriting their own rules and focusing a lot more on singles even if they have song from a film coming out they're positioning it as a single first and not even talking about the film right now because they want the song to do really well so that entire shift from a music industry point of view i think everyone has understood it brands are still catching up to it but i'm sure it's sooner than later that we'll see them coming up up front and center with this even if you look at examples like a jalebi baby where mm. uh, zomato <laughs> had that beautiful integration yeah. and it was just so neatly done when you see such mainstream brands getting into it i'm sure this is something that's bound to happen you know i also feel it's like think globally music has always been the driver of culture right? and in many ways for us we've always had films drive culture and it's been this almost switch in the last two and a half years and if you talk about who's really driving culture beat from from fashion from this work with brands you seeing all that you see a lot more musicians doing that but on the other side how many people have you worked with who said okay i just want to make my music i don't know if i want to create content for social as much but are you seeing lesser and lesser of that now because there is also one entire bunch saying i just want to make the right kind of music um i don't know if i can actually be a creator if if that's the term every single artist is saying exactly what he just mentioned <laughs> you know so many times we when when we present a song to our labels or our distributors they come back to us saying that uh, you know ye reels pe viral kaise karenge uh, how can we mm. make it uh, dancey or in that particular way how can we grab that 15 second attention span and we're telling them over and over again that that's not what you need yeah. to chase a good song will carry a good song will do really well a good song will create that kind of impact and i think uh, coke studio pakistan comes at the right time every single time and shows us that that's how it can be done where you don't need a commercially designed song to do well you just need good music to really drive it so let me pick up on that point right it's easy i personally hate the word viral it is like by far the bane of my existence has been for the last few decades i think that isn't going away unfortunately for any of us it is still a term we hear often enough but when you are working with brands now i what are you kind of going with saying what more can you kind of do especially with culture driving which i think is a, in many ways what you're really focusing on right saying you can really tap into what is popular culture now you can reach out to an audience beyond what is mainstream in that sense uh, continues to be what we all say at many ways are you seeing different kinds of modes to connect brands with culture in terms of what you're interacting with brands and what have you seen as being successful models to kind of follow um, beyond the let's make a viral reel what have been some cases where you actually been able to do that 
So we're honestly going back to brands and saying that, do you just want to build an internet movement or do you want it to actually show your product properly being used? Do you want the use case to come out or do you just want that one press release or that one post that said that, oh, look at what this particular brand did. So we're, we're kind of questioning that at this point. And uh, we're citing examples that have done really well. So we spoke about Jalebi Baby. That was a great use case example of how mm-hmm. a product can be fit into a music video. Yeah. We did something with Sugar Cosmetics and Arman Malik for his song, You, where uh, you have these makeup trends going on, which are obviously massive on Instagram, and they have these entire transitions that are really big. We involved the brand along with what we wanted to build as our part of our real strategy. And we told them that, you know, why don't you activate X number of influencers at your end? Uh, get them to do exactly what we have planned in general, which is more organic, but just seed your brand in, in a more uh, seamless manner. That ended up getting them closer to 100 million views. That ended up doing a lot better for them. So we're trying to get brands to be more subtle. We're trying to get them to agree to be more surrogates, that they come out front and center from a use case versus just being that this is my logo, this is my 10 seconds, this is their uh, XYZ is happening. We're trying to bring out use case a lot better uh, by keeping it more organic. One of my favorite uh, brand integrations we've done for a music video is actually with this artist called Zayden, mm. where we shot a very simple music video. The brand was nowhere in the music video. Mm. It was a hair cream called Arata. Okay. And all they did was, all we did was we shot a BTS of that and we just showed him getting ready for a shot, putting the cream, taking three seconds. Mm. He asked for his makeup artist. Uh, the makeup artist doesn't appear. All that comes in is a cream. He puts his cream on and he's ready to do a shot and he starts performing exactly what was there in the music video. Mm. That subtler piece of content ended up doing so much better as compared to those where we've had brands front and center with us, uh, where we, you know, exactly stuck to uh, their guidelines in terms of how they want the caption to be framed, how they want the picture to look, etc. So we're just trying to take as much control of the creative and convince them to look at results versus just look at the delivered product at that point. So we want to have more feedback conversations versus reproduction conversations. What you just said makes me also think about one aspect, right? Is that the consumers also change, right? I think the consumer, what they want, how they want um, the interaction between music and brand or even how they want to deal with I'm going to steal the term using how do you create an internet movement? What are internet movements for them in that sense? So what have you actually learned if you look at the last few years and what have you learned about the consumer in terms of what they're really looking for versus what you, you maybe thought they look looking for a few years ago? So we've understood that the consumer is not like earlier people would think I would have to dumb down things a lot for a mm. consumer to understand what I'm trying to do. And I'm sure you've had brands come to you 10 <laughs> yeah. times over that this is very complicated or this is not understand. Lowest common denominator was the term yeah. often used, right? Yeah, so we people keep asking us to dumb things down and we realize that the consumer is not someone who needs something dumbed down. They just want it to come in in a way that isn't uh, too invasive. They don't, probably at this point, they don't want it to be too much in the face. They would rather have it more subtle, they would rather have it in a more enjoyable format. When you look at cred ads, for example, that's something mm. you look forward to yeah. viewing. Every time Netflix puts out a piece of content, you look forward to that. You don't realize that it's being advertised to you. Yeah. So I think consumers love storytelling. And if uh, an artist can tell that story in their own format, that's going to be a lot better. The artist writes the story, it's always a lot better versus a brand telling the artist that, you know, this is the story you need to tell. Yeah, uh- I want to take a step aside from this. Like, how, how did you get? Uh, how did you get into this space? How how has your journey been through the end? Like, I I do know that you did start off pretty early on. From what eighteen is when you first got into the space. But how how did you gravitate towards this entire space? And how has that journey been? 
So 18 is the official story. The unofficial <laughs> story is obviously very different. Uh, I was 15 uh, or 14 and I was still in school. I was in my ninth grade. Mm. At that time, I realized that a lot of my seniors in school in the 10th grade wanted to go to nightclubs and to go to nightclubs, they would need a fake ID. Mm. So I would use Microsoft Paint and create a fake ID for them <laughs> by scanning my sister's college ID card and just putting the name, putting the photos, getting laminated with the shop outside my house and end up selling it to these guys. And that's how I started making a lot of money when I was a kid. Uh, going forward, I realized that even after a fake ID, these guys still need to pay a lot of money to get into the nightclub. So what if I can get that cost down? So I reached out to the nightclubs, told them I'm 28 years old, uh, asked them to let me start a guest list, told them to pay me for every person. I sent them on a Wednesday night or a Tuesday night because those nights anyway was empty for them and I would mm-hmm. send all of these guys. So I'm, I'm, I think I'm the godfather of underage clubbing in India <laughs> in a way. And that's how I really got uh, associated with entertainment and nightlife in particular. That passion obviously kept going forward. Everyone, uh, I think every event manager that's ever born out of India has always had their first shake at things at their college festival. Mm. Uh, That's where it happened for me as well. So first of all, while I was in college, I started a marketing agency. I realized I knew a lot of small restaurant and bar owners and they were still not ready to pay higher retainers and they just wanted someone to basically set up almost like a menu card for them on their social media that could tell where what is available what is Mm. happening on a particular day so i took that up started handling a lot of social media clients picked up that did really well it was an agency called hashtag media solutions we were doing really well we picked up a lot of clients cut to my college festival happening i meet this guy called dj chetas he's now probably asia's biggest dj and he comes and tells me that you know my manager has left me why don't you start managing me and I was shocked. I was uh, confused. I didn't know how this would work. But he said, just give it a shot. I think you'll like it. I was still not convinced. Then he offered me what any college kid in the world would be happiest to get. Uh, he told me I would get two bottles of alcohol at any nightclub. I would choose every month <laughs> if I agreed to do this. So uh, I was sold instantly. I, I didn't need anything else beyond that. That was the last uh, thing I needed. And I just went in blind with it. Tried to do things differently. I obviously had a marketing background from the work I did. So I tried to apply more marketing versus what management really was more either on the agenting side or it was more secretarial. We started figuring out how can we grow him on socials. We started figuring out how can we get people to listen to him more. We wanted to connect the word Bollywood DJ to Chetas instantly. So mm-hmm. if anyone says Bollywood DJ or Bollywood dance music, it has to be mm-hmm. DJ Chetas. And we started working on that. That did really well. And then a lot of other artists started approaching me to do this. So I had to shut down the marketing agency then, go mm-hmm. fully into artist management and start building that. This was around the age of 19, uh, I assume. And then by the time I was 24, I realized that, okay, this is all set. Everything is great. I don't need to put in more energy into this. I've hired a great team. Everyone's doing really well. I want to go back into marketing. I want to go back to doing what I love the most. Mm-hmm. And I had three of my best friends running an agency called Blacktap at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were using this agency mainly to provide uh, advertising to people uh, who wanted to put up billboards, who wanted to put up those bus stand banners, etc. And we got together and said that, you know, why don't we focus on building this as a digital first agency? Why don't we put in more efforts into that? And we partnered and that's been doing exceedingly well. So it's honestly just finding the right opportunities with whatever resources were available and being able to service them in the best possible manner. That's really been what my story is. Yeah, there's so many questions I have on that. Uh, but I know we need to go for a break. Um, so I'm going to quickly do that, come back because I have a bunch of follow-ups to, uh, to your story. Welcome back to Advertising is Dead. We Before the break, we got into, uh, Aishman, your your entire journey. And I 
there are a few things i want to pick up from that right one is the fact that it's almost like you were at those points where there was an opportunity and there was an innovation required and you jumped onto that and moved with it which i feel is something which most entrepreneurs actually learn that okay this is an opportunity this is a problem like you literally went okay this is the problem they don't have ids this is a problem they don't have the club doesn't have guests these guys don't know how to get in and even post that i think especially with chetas what you just said and i realized that at that point is that at some point of time i remember that if you said bollywood dj you only think of his name um i couldn't think of any other name during a specific period of time apart from his and when you kind of going through all of this how do you feel you have evolved as an entrepreneur um during this period what have you kind of learned that you feel like when i i this is what i've actually learned over the last like five or years what would those things be First of all, I'm a very responsible person now. I pay all my taxes. <laughs> I do not. I do not promote anything. No, 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 fake, no, no fake IDs. None no of that stuff. No fake IDs. Nothing. That, that was just a lie. I never meant that. I'm lying. <laughs> if anyone from any authority is listening, <laughs> but uh, I'm I'm a much more responsible person now for sure. Yeah. Uh, I think the second thing I learned, and this is something I think every entrepreneur. does end up picking up on is your team is everything i have i'm a very curious person i have a lot of passion points i want to spend time to understand those i want to deep dive into them i'm probably going to fail at them but i still want to give it a shot i still want to give it enough time and uh, i'm grateful that i have a great team and i've understood the value of a team so now before i even think of doing anything else that i try to find the right people to even manage that and that's the reason i'm able to run a few multiple businesses while uh, focusing on this the third the really important thing i picked up from this entire journey of mine was starting early mm. when i started early i realized that i have no responsibilities i have nothing to lose at this point so even if i do fail even if i do end up messing up i have a very big safety cushion of time by my side where i can figure out what to do next so i was very uh, happy and in hindsight i'm really happy that i was able to do Uh, a few things a lot earlier than others because that just allowed me to experiment chetas probably wasn't expecting someone to focus on marketing because uh, when you wanted a manager or you wanted an agent you wanted someone who would just go out and either get you more business or mm. would go out and make sure your calendar is completely full everything is taken care of etc out yeah. here in fact he was stuck with a kid who just wanted to understand how we can make this particular artist bigger i wanted to understand that how can i get chetas on every radio station how can i get chetas uh, his own tv show i want to understand how can i get him to play a very big wedding and then to run a press release around that for the fact that he was the one who was uh, at one of the biggest weddings in the country had seen so mm-hmm. that was my focus area and i realized that uh, these kind of things work slightly better and when you're young you can experiment when you're young you can make mistakes and i would love to get more time to make as many more mistakes as possible Now, you you mentioned team a little earlier when especially in a space like the entertainment space the kind of people you need and the kind of uh, almost like mindset required is super important so when you hiring people what are you looking for what do you generally look for um when you hiring people for your team so as a management agency i think the first thing uh, most people would look at is events experience we've mm-hmm. completely negated that altogether now Uh, I'm trying to find more marketers because at the end of the day, it's the marketers that understand what kind of thing can result and what kind of an effect. So we know exactly that if we do X number of things, this is what this is what the result is going to be against that. So I'm looking for marketers and strategists now. I think anyone who has a mindset to think in those particular ways, that's really exciting to me. Uh, you need someone. So artist management is a little bit of a thankless job. People mm-hmm. don't really. It's obviously behind the scenes, right? So you never really know yeah. who's done what. You never really know. what has happened except that even artists obviously are 
very insecure in general. They have a lot of stuff they have to deal with on a daily basis. And they also need that cushion to be able to say whatever they want to to a particular person. So someone with like a very solid temperament, someone who has uh, the ability to be very empathetic and compassionate at the same time, I think that is very, very important. So even if you speak to anyone from my team, you'll realize they're all of a particular type. And I, I don't know how to really word that better, but mm. they're probably some of the best listeners you're going to come across in the entire industry. They're probably some of the most honest people you're going to come out with in the entire industry because, again, entertainment has always had this sort of black shadow over it that, you know, there's a lot of shady stuff happening here. There's a lot of things are not as transparent as you would imagine them to be. So we try to find people who instill that kind of trust, not just in our artists, but also in the overall uh, economy in general, in the overall industry in general. It's interesting you said that, you know, because that you're not looking at people who have, let's say, even say experience as much as you look at marketers. Has this also been because, like, for instance, you're seeing performances um, have been happening in the virtual space. There's a whole chat about the metaverse performance. I definitely want to ask you if that is still something which you're, is it still a marketing gimmick or are there actually, is that actually going to be a, a thing that we do more and more of? But as things are becoming more digital, is that why you would feel that the marketing part has kind of scaled up a lot more? Uh, not really. That's not our main area of concern. So I've always had a thought process that we're not the best agents in the country. We're, we're probably the worst from an agenting point of view. We're probably one of the better management agencies in the country. Mm. So what that thesis basically is, is that if I'm able to grow an artist to become big enough, if I'm able to market an artist in a way that they have a stronger community, they have a stronger uh, fan base for themselves, they will automatically be pushed onto the best events and experiences. It's more of a pull strategy. We aren't trying to like sell our artists. People are inquiring for us. 99% of the business we do is inbound queries. 1% is us going out and actually trying to sell. So we want to make our artists as big as possible so that people want them versus anyone else. We don't want to be one of the 10 artists presented for a campaign mm-hmm. or for an event. We want to be the only artist that a promoter wants to book for a particular event. Obviously, the execution stuff, you need an incredible events team for that. And we have probably some of the best people to do it. But that's something which we can train people to do. And that's not a... So to teach someone marketing is a much longer uh, learning (laughs) curve versus teaching someone how to handle logistics for an event or how to scale an event. Also, when it comes to events, things like scaling a concert or building a stronger set or building a much better production setup, I think these are things that shouldn't be done in-house. I think these are things for which you bring on professionals. You bring on the best talent in the country. We have such incredible engineers and production designers in our country. I would rather have them work and do this than find someone in-house and expect them to apply the same mm. skill set to 15 different artists who have probably very different needs. So to understand what you need to outsource and what you need to build as a core competency is why I focus a bit more on marketers. Because I genuinely want everything to now reach a point where it becomes all inbound, we filter the best and we deliver the best for our artists versus actually going out and trying to sell in, like, we don't want to be that one apple with 100 apples. We want to be yeah. <laughs> great standalone. Like, that's, you have that, there's that one apple everyone comes for rather than using this is my entire food, fruit yeah. stall. Uh, yeah. Who do you want to pick in that sense? Um, yeah. I've just continued your fruit analogy just to kind of take that ahead. Yeah, my fruit um, analogy tied <laughs> midway and thank you for saving it. <laughs> um, one of the things we hear the most around artists lately, which is something which I am still wrapping my head around to see how much of it will stick and how much of it will end up not really working is the NFT space, right? Um, you're talking about how much artists, especially anybody who's an artist, um, needs to launch an NFT, people buy it, revalue. Now, I've always seen it as saying, okay, 
there's a strong chance 80% of these NFTs might have zero value in the years to come. Um, but it's still something that we should explore to see that 20% will still hold so much more. How are you seeing that kind of playing uh, into, into how talent, especially musicians, kind of um, jump into this? No, I completely agree with your thought process. And we want to bet on that 20% to make sure mm-hmm. that at least we're present. If we fail, like I've already told you, we're not scared, we're not scared of failure. There's nothing, mm-hmm. there's nothing to lose for an artist by yeah. putting out the NFTs. But I think a lot more uh, thought process needs to go into utilities when it comes to NFTs. So we won't... And India as a market is very utility focused, right? I don't think we're going to have a lot of hype NFTs where people are just going to buy it because a particular artist put it out. I think it needs to have a layer of really strong utility along with it. So Friends is probably one of my favorite NFT projects by Gary Vee. Just the amount of detail that went into every single thing, the kind of experiences that are linked to it, the fact that they can enter uh, this event that he's going to be doing over the next two years, all of that, just the amount of utility he's put into that one project, that's what we take as inspiration and that's how we want to go forward with this. I also see NFTs as a great source of fundraising for a lot of independent artists. Mm. In a similar format to how Nas put out his album with Royal where he wanted Mm. to raise, I think, $400,000 and he put it out together with Royal where he's actually giving out a share of his income with his artists. That's going to be a really interesting space for us to see, especially since we've had this entire Shark Tank moment in India. Everyone now wants Mm. to become uh, an angel investor in some format or the other. Everyone wants to bet on things that they feel uh, are really going to blow up. So I feel like for fundraising to NFTs are going to be brilliant for independent artists where they want to put out projects where they probably can't raise funds from a music label or don't want to raise funds from a music label rather. Uh, I also think NFT marketing is going to be like a very key, you know, like how we had influencer marketing earlier and brands yeah. would not be too sure, but now it's part of every single rollout. I think an NFT strategy is going to be a part of every brand's rollout as well. I think it's going to be very, very critical. How do you see a brand? I, I, I want to go deeper into that. How, how do you see a brand really digging into, let's say, an artist's NFT? How do you see that really working? Um, I mean, if I'm a brand today and I'm sick, I want to understand how this can actually work to my benefit. What would you say? So, for example, we let's take Coke Studio as mm. probably the best set an example because they are obviously also exploring a lot in the metaverse right now. Mm. Uh, while they're putting out all of this incredible content, you can have some of it gated. And if you look at their BTS content, it's absolutely incredible to see how yeah. these guys have worked on the music. And I'm a big nerd when it comes to this kind of stuff. So I really spend a lot of time focusing on it. But just the kind of content you can gate behind an NFT is just the first part of it. For people who are really enthusiastic about it, for people who really want to understand that better, it's great. For any brand, I think they have now realized that they need to take experiences on ground because that's mm-hmm. been missing for two years and every brand is trying to figure out which is the best way to take that life. So again, build that around a community versus just keeping it open to everyone. To roll out tickets in the form of an NFT would be great as well. In general, anything a brand wants to do around community, I think NFTs are a great route to follow through for that. I've had people come to me and tell me that, you know, Thumbs Up is a brand they've grown up with and they've loved it for the longest time. So... Yeah. I never had people, I never thought someone would be passionate about Thumbs Up in a particular way. But I am I am one of those people. Extremely I am passionate definitely about one of up, them. Yeah. I was never vocal about it, but if I could associate with it through 100%. an NFT, I would I would love to show my affinity for the brand in that particular way. Still my favorite cola brand by Leaps and Bounds and I think across everything. I'm I was super kicked by the latest campaign. So I, I'm, a, yeah. I'm a sucker for... I'm a, seeing, I'm a sucker for Shah Rukh Khan as well. So. Exactly. Seeing Shah Rukh Khan that way is always a sucker for. And I also actually enjoyed the um, the Telugu one with uh, Vijay Devakonda. So Devakonda. I was like, yeah. yeah. Uh, but before we get into uh, Shah Rukh and, uh, uh, and Thumbs Up fanboying, um, there's one piece you, you spoke about, right? Is that obviously with live events coming back, with offline events, not online events coming back, 
And also at the same time, we're talking about the metaverse as this whole thing, right? You mentioned in Coke Studios, really looking into that space as well. Um, there's also, there were many models of virtual events that saw success during the pandemic. Do you see that still playing out? Do you see virtual still being a key thing? Or are you just like, are you going, are going to go back to default setting of performances are in person only? Or, or is there a hybrid somewhere? So from an India market in particular, I think it's only going to be like the very strong diaspora acts that are going to be able to build this particular virtual sort of setting where, for example, if I'm an Eli Raja fan and I'm sitting in California and I really want to enjoy mm. an experience of his, maybe then it makes more sense for a virtual concert because you can't always have someone touring in that particular mm. market. But from at least whichever virtual concerts we participated in, none of them were really as exciting as possible. There's a music festival called Tomorrowland that probably built one of the best formats of a virtual concert. But then again, you're always stuck for bandwidth. You're always stuck for... Mm. You don't get those goosebumps seeing an yeah. artist on a screen as you do and it's live. So yeah. I, I, I'm still trying to figure out how that would probably pan out. But uh, I feel like NFTs as tickets will be uh, a very cool play because number one, right now when I buy a ticket, say for example, from a book by show, I can't transfer that to anyone. There's a reason mm. if, if I'm not able to go to a concert, I would really want someone else to do it and I would... Uh, and I don't want that money to go wasted. So just from an authenticity point of view, the fact that it's on the blockchain and you can see where it's originated from, you can transfer it to someone without having any counterfeit. I think that's going to do really well. I think artists can reserve certain spots for buyers who are of their NFTs, like you can build your own experience zones within concerts, etc., which could do really well. But when it comes to concerts in the metaverse, I think uh, there's still a bit of time. There's been a few great gaming case studies, obviously, with the Marshmallow concert or the Travis Scott concert. but uh, I think it's still a little early for India at least. Still very able to see that. Yeah. I think also, and, and I feel that we're all, we're all enjoying getting out again after yeah. what feels like a long time. So to make, I, I think that it'll take a lot of effort for someone to make me wear a VR headset at this point of time. Like, no, 100%. I want to just go out. take 100%. <laughs> and you know, Varun, now that you bring that up, I'll tell you something. It was so difficult for an artist to sell tickets, mm. uh, especially in India before. It was so difficult for us to even sell, say, for example, 500 tickets to a concert for an artist that's been around for a long time. But now that things are opened up, people are so eager for these experiences and they've built such strong, and I keep coming back to affinity, but mm. in the lockdown, they've built such strong affinity to certain artists whose music really supported them. They are spending really good money to come out and watch Indian homegrown artists at various different venues. I'll give you an example of an artist we managed called Anuv Jain. He mm. did his first ever India tour last year in October. This was just, uh, we we luckily made it between two waves and we were able to execute an entire 10 city India tour. This was the first time he was going on tour. We did, I think, 11,000 tickets across these 10 cities. Average price for a ticket was around 2,200 rupees, mm. which is the which was the base price for a Justin Bieber concert when it happened in India, yeah. which is what you pay for a Marshmallow or an Alan Walker or any other international artist performing in the country. That's how much money you end up paying. But homegrown, independent, domestic artist performing his first ever tour was able to sell at that particular price point. If anyone is on the internet, there's no way they missed the AP Delon tour which happened. Yeah. And that was all over the place. He did a massive number of shows. Each of those shows sold was sold out absolutely like, completely. And you saw that people really spent top dollar to go and watch these homegrown artists. So uh, I'm glad the lockdown has built like a ticket buyer's market mm. finally for Indian homegrown artists because now they would rather go for that versus wait for that one international concert to happen in three to four months. And you know, it's also, I think, a great trend to look at as you go ahead, right? If, if this is how 
audiences are going to stick to it and i have feeling they might like like he's an artist for his anujan sound i discovered during the lockdown i i didn't know who, uh, and now he's, i have like a bunch of i have i think a large number of playlists are indian independent artists uh, apart from much older music because i am older um and uh, but I, i think it's interesting that the, the audience is moving in that direction what else do you see as trends as as you look ahead so okay, these are things that definitely seem to be where consumers brands and artists are really moving towards so ticket buying for sure i think more intimate experiences is what people are really enjoy most stuff that is a lot more curated versus just plain mass i think that's mm-hmm. what's going to do really well and i feel that's a great opportunity for brands to explore as well to do smaller cap very well curated stuff versus going out to just uh, do say for example a 2000 5000 person concert to show that you got x number of people to come in you rather build something that is more exclusive that is more difficult for you to get into that is for which a person will really put an effort to go and visit versus doing something just for the sake of doing something big i feel like our dependence in general on short form video will now slightly start reducing as well when it comes to music and marketing mm. uh, i think that is though it's everyone's talking about it a lot right now because of instagram reels i feel the dependency on that is also going to start going down a lot more i feel like we're going to go back to listening to our playlist versus just sampling the 30 second hook that we came to see so better music is definitely going to come front and center because we're already seeing that with the charts right now and i think one common trend which everyone has seen is that music is now absolutely borderless it can cross over from anywhere and it's going to do really well so i think we're going to see a lot of great uh, regional artists coming up front and center and really taking the down away right now. um you know what can also be you know as i look at this so that it's interesting to see that if we finally have that inflection point where the worlds of creator celebrity in terms of film and and music in that sense coming together and i think it's a cultural point where can we turn around and say okay, this is when we can actually go to that defining juncture where as we move ahead we finally going to have audiences who want to work with music as how audiences have globally in many ways and and as you said moving away from just the short form stuff is a hallelujah moment in my head right now when you say it because i think a lot of us have really want to go back to long form and like in person experiences but more than anything else from our entire side, what i'm actually also getting is that there's almost a balance now you're not overselling it to a brand brands have kind of understood a large part of that although that viral word will not go away but you'll also have this aspect where artists have figured out this is how i can actually do my craft well still be able to monetize and not rely only on live music um i think that's cue now uh, correct me if i'm wrong is no longer that 80 20 you've been able to bring that a little bit more 100% so i think it's a great time from an overall economy point of view for artists that they're, they're not dependent on one particular revenue stream anymore they have multiple options open brands earlier we would have to really educate them as to uh, what we need to put forward now they already have there there have been a few great case studies which have actually done this for us and uh, they take that as a center point and they come to us with that saying you know we want to build a moment of these sorts and that's when we go back to them and tell them that this is how it was happening brands are listening more than speaking which is a great point at every for i think any agency for any creative trying to pitch something to a brand so i think that's a great space for them and i think going forward as well something which we are very very bullish about is uh, more creator products more artist driven brands coming together we obviously had a few really successful ones with nhrx with uh, virat kohli's 18 mm. etc but i i feel like when creators come up with their own businesses when artists set up their own 
various different brands that's going to do really well. And globally, it's obviously a great pro in case with, for example, a Jay-Z who has so much stuff happening with the Kanye mm-hmm. who has so much stuff happening. Uh, I think that moment is finally going to start coming in India and uh, people are actually going to build really iconic brands uh, through their craft now. Yeah. And um, looking forward to that one. But um, I want to move to our last segment of the show, which you, since you're a listener, you know exactly what the questions yeah. are. So I'm like, do I stick to the same stuff or do I evolve this? But I think I'm, I might just stick to some of the same stuff. What do you spend a lot of time doing, Aishwan, beyond almost sitting at the intersection of holding together brands, artists, and everything else that's going on? What keeps you excited beyond um, what you do? I'm a very, very, very curious person. So mm. I spend a lot of time and I feel like YouTube is the best education platform the world yeah, has to I offer. So I spend a lot of time just trying to understand various different things. Like I think my YouTube uh, and YouTube's algorithm is brilliant in my opinion, where they really suggest the best stuff to you. So I'm either spending a lot of time on podcasts or I'm trying to understand personal finance better because I blew up all of my money as a kid. <laughs> and uh, I'm trying to learn a lot more about how we can help businesses scale. We've just uh, together with a few friends, we just started an investment syndicate. So mm-hmm. we're trying to figure out how we can help businesses scale better beyond just capital. And I'm really enjoying that entire journey of understanding how very different businesses work, understanding them uh, a lot better, understanding where their gaps are, understanding where we can jump in to fulfill these. So I'm just a very curious person. I, when I'm on, in my free time, I'm probably loading or watching either a documentary mm-hmm. or just uh, any interesting YouTube videos that have a bit of an educational What's the most interesting thing you learned of YouTube recently? Since you because that YouTube rabbit hole is amazing, you learn so many random things. Uh, but what is the most recent thing you so learned? So many. Wow, I can't, I'm not even being able to think of this right now. I'll give you, I'll, I'll, so while you think, I'll give you what I did this weekend. This weekend, I spent a lot of time on hoarding key because for some reason, I decided to watch one watch video. And I spent the entire weekend revisiting analog watches and where their entire space has been. It was like a I'm like, wow, this is a world I forgot was existed, which is non-digital watches. So that's what I did. So which is very random. Um, but I, I feel that you would have um, dug into something a little bit more my, resourceful. My, mine was really funny and I'm pretty sure you're probably going to laugh at it. We all just finished with the year end. Mm. And I was obviously Googling tax saving uh, yeah. methods. And the last few times, I think I've just been deep diving on how setting up an entity in the Cayman Islands is going to be a lot more <laughs> beneficial down the lines. And what are the various different tax havens that are there to be able uh, yeah. to do? Haven't that we all done that? We've all done that. I've been, uh, I think I've researched a bunch of those as well. Uh, yeah. But we're... We're here. We're 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 tax-paying citizens, as, as always. Disclaimer, that disclaimer is 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 right up there. Um, what have you watched recently? Which you would recommend? Uh, watch, listen to, or read? I was uh, actually hearing one of your podcasts, and uh, I think the one you did with Roof was mm-hmm. really exciting about the creator economy. I think that was one which I really enjoyed listening to. So yeah, that's going to be my recommendation for sure. Um, and my last question, which I'm now deciding if I should continue that because at, at some point in time, it's becoming a tiring thing to turn around and say, how else can I spin this? Why will this not die? But if I was an artist today, how do I make sure that what I do does not die? I think every artist and that, that's also with every advertiser, I think everyone at the end of the day are storytellers. And I feel like we all have a lot of stories within us. As an advertiser, you're obviously trying to tell a story for a brand. But as an artist, you're telling your own story. And you have way too many experiences that you can talk about. And you would never know which one is going to click. You never know which one people are going to resonate with the most. So till the time you feel like you have a story in you, your art is not going to die. 
and uh, the best part about music is it's timeless we are seeing stuff coming back from years and years back and uh, which is why we even focus a lot on trying to own all the masters mm. we put out now because we want that to be uh, an asset the artists build under them that uh, yeah i feel like stories are never going to die and storytellers uh, are never going to die so artists and their craft will probably never die Thank you so much, Aishwanta. I'm happy we finally did this. It was a bunch of stuff for everyone to unpack and kind of learn from. So thanks for coming on Advertising Instead. Thank you, Arun. Thank you so much. If you like this podcast and you want to listen to more podcasts like this, head over to the IBM Podcast website or app or wherever you get your podcasts from and look at all the podcasts that IBM makes. There's some really fun stuff there.